0: Hi, my name is Molly Carmichael-Bazanda, and this podcast series is a conversation with the industry's most inspirational leaders building the future of our communities, the places we love to visit, and ultimately, where we all call home. I love the design and development business and all that goes into creating a new place. It's really interesting, and I think you'll find it interesting, too. I have had the pleasure and great fortune to work with so many of these amazing leaders and their teams my travels over the last 25 plus years and so we're going to talk to the industry's best the brightest and truly the most inspirational people behind the scenes creating those places and spaces that are most important to you or they will be one day it's fascinating to think that their legacy will live on for hundreds and hundreds of years today we are joined by steve alloy he's the president of stanley martin Homes. Stanley Martin Homes is one of the largest home builders up and down the East Coast. They were recently named America's best builder in 2021, and they are also amongst the top, most trusted home builders in 2022, according to Life Story Research. Steve has a really interesting history. Uh, He's the son of a home builder. I won't steal too much thunder there. We'll hear from Steve here shortly. He has a history in global finance before becoming a home builder and many years as a home builder and developer and builder of urban apartments, condos, hotels, and of course, homes up and down the East Coast. Steve is not only one of the smartest guys you'll meet in our industry, but he's without a doubt, one of the nicest and most genuine guys you'll meet. Aside from his full-time job leading a huge organization, he's also involved in Homemade America and Northern Virginia Family Services, helping with the homelessness throughout the US. Please join me and welcome Steve Alloy. Hello and welcome. We're here with Steve Alloy, who's the Chief Executive Officer and President of Stanley Martin Homes. So welcome. Thanks, Molly. It's it's good to have you, Steve. So we're going to just dive in with some simple questions. And I always like to start with the most basic question, which is, tell us what you do on a, you know, what's your typical day look like? And what do you do for the company?
1: Sure. So I'm the president and CEO of Stanley Martin Homes. And uh, I've been in that position for 24 years. And in my early days as CEO, we were a much smaller company. We were in one market in Washington, DC. We were about uh, 60 people, maybe 175 homes a year. And so what I used to do was I was very active in every neighborhood and our sales and our marketing and our Construction and as the company's grown today, we've got over 13 housing divisions and um, wow. build about 5,000 homes per year. At least we will this year, and uh, it's about a thousand people. So most of what I do today is leading people, motivating, um, building a culture, guiding people to execute our strategy. So it's it's very different than it was in the old days.
0: <laughs> I know it's it's uh, especially in in this climate today. It's an interesting world we're living in right now, for sure. Um, Anyways, uh, tell us a little bit about sort of how you got into home building. Like, how did it all start for you kind of starting back at the beginning?
1: Yeah, well, um, I never intended to be a home builder, although I came from a home builder family. So my father founded Stanley Martin in oh, the uh, mid 60s. And so uh, I never really had an interest in joining uh, the family business there. I, um, uh, after uh, college, I went into international real estate investment sales and uh, was mostly working with Japanese investors, uh, investing in the U.S. Uh, real estate market. And then there was a recession in uh, 89, 90, 91, where that business really dried up and my commissions dried up. And there was an opening over at Stanley Martin and I took it. Um, it wasn't strategic. It wasn't planned. I just fell into a job that was better than the one I had.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So you grew up in the business with your dad as a homebuilder.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, when I was a kid, uh, we would, you know, he would go and visit neighborhoods on the weekend. So my brother and I, or my sister and I would be in the back of the car and we'd <laughs> spend our Saturdays visiting model homes and, you know, looking at neighborhoods and driving around.
0: I can't tell you how many times I've done that with my own kids. I mean, I think my kids were on job sites like at two months old <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, but that's pretty neat. So tell me, uh, Tell me a little bit about your dad's management style. Um,
1: you know, so he has a classic founders mentality. So uh, very strong personality, entrepreneur, um, you know, fight your way through to figure out how to get it done. Um, and as you, as a company founder, you start off doing everything yourself. And so, you know, very active uh, decision-maker and uh, you know, he's, he built uh, a few very successful companies. Stanley Martin Holmes being one of them.
0: Well, tell me, so looking back, I'm going to take you back to, to when you were just a kid, thinking about who you wanted to be and what you wanted to be when you grew up. Uh, where did you see yourself going, you know, back in the day? And and what is it that you wanted to do then?
1: You know, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was, I was just a kid. So for me, it was, you know, playing sports and soccer and basketball. And I think if I went back to when I was really young, I, I wasn't really thinking about career just it was all about sports and athletics and such and but if i if i roll that forward into middle school or high school um i I think i always had a i had this thought that i'd be in business that um i always had jobs it was a i grew up in a place where you had to work and and do things as a kid and i always i always thought that i would be in some kind of business one day
0: Um, so let me ask you this question as as a you know a person growing up in the business, your father obviously led a lot of successful businesses. You saw home building. Why not home building initially?
1: You know um, when I went to Wharton undergrad in the eight, 1980s, um, there was, you know, it was uh, very much Wall Street oriented. Um, the uh, globalization of of economies and and interconnectedness was really taking off especially with Japan back then and I just uh I had this passion to do something internationally and so I uh I never really thought about moving back to DC and getting into the home building business I really saw myself doing something globally
0: that's pretty neat well you know what I think your father would be very proud today just to see how you know much you've done with the company and and all of that it's pretty cool we're, um, tell me today where Stanley Martin has their operations.
1: Sure. So we're headquartered in, uh, the Virginia suburbs of Washington, DC. And, uh, our, uh, footprint or geography goes from the South side of Baltimore, Maryland down through Orlando and Tampa. And, uh, we're in, uh, uh, spending a kind of 13, 14 Metro areas. So we're in, uh, uh DC market in Richmond, Charlottesville raleigh carolina coast charlotte um, atlanta um, all through south carolina greenville spartanburg columbia um, we're in augusta georgia charleston and then down in uh we're in florida and orlando and tampa right now so it's, nice. it's basically from dc south
0: well definitely for somebody who likes to travel that i'm sure that gives you a lot of opportunity uh, to travel in those markets too i would imagine
1: It does, you know, every time I would, uh, you know, as COVID would go up and down over the last couple of years, it's like, oh, let's turn on travel again, let's go see everybody and then there'd be some spike and oh, let's turn off travel, everybody, you know, and so it would come in waves over the past couple of years. But yeah, one of the things I really enjoy is, is getting out to our divisions, um, seeing our our team members and and meeting people on site and just, um, I really, I like to be out and about And connecting with people.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sure they love to see you too. It's, it's always great when the, you know, when the people leading the company are definitely present and showing up. Let's talk a little bit about the company itself. As it relates to leadership in your company, what do you see as the key ingredients to leading a team? And obviously you're leading the company, you've got sort of your core values, but even what you're looking for in your key leaders too.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, at Stanley Martin, it's we we are very focused on the culture of the company and how how we interact as individuals trying to all get this done. And that um, I think we've we've built something very special, and it allows us to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish. We've had some extraordinary growth and success over the years, and um, you know we make a we make a big investment in in who we bring in and. How we, how we all train and learn together, and how we work together. And so, you know, I would, I would say that, um, you know, people who we've we've got a lot of long-term team members and people who've been here a long time. I just had somebody um, uh, retire after 23 years with us, and just sent nice. me a beautiful note and uh, about how much he loved working at Stanley Martin. And that's a that's a common experience that happens to me. And I, I see the other side too. I, I meet every one of our new team members and we do a, a meet and greet. And when I, um, I get feedback where people say, you know, I've heard about what it's like working there. I didn't really believe it, but then a position opened and I joined and I'm just kicking myself that I didn't come over earlier because we, we have a place that that's, we, we treat as very special where people really, we, we try to create a place that people really enjoy what they do.
0: Now, everybody I've met with your company, I they're just really genuine great people. So it definitely comes through in the employees too, for sure. Um, that's pretty great. Um, what do you think are the core leadership skills for you personally? I mean, one of them certainly is the fact that you personally meet every single person that works with a company. That's huge. Yeah,
1: it's it's fun though, right? I love it. So it's, uh, it's uh, we we hire about Right now, the pace is about 14 people every three weeks. So when we get that group size, 12 to 14, um, we used to do it in person. Now we're doing it over Teams uh, by sure, video. Sure. And so um, it's it's just part of an onboarding, uh, putting a face with a name. We get to talk. People ask questions. We we get into discussions. And it just it helps to create connection. Because I do a lot of communicating throughout the company, of of where we're going, why we're going, what we're trying to accomplish, and I just think it's helpful for them to put a face to the voice that they're reading or the voice that they're hearing. Sure. And uh, and I think it's it's great. But in terms of in terms of leadership, you know, the things that we try to drive here that are really important to me is um, always speak the truth, so that um, you know you never have to worry about what you say if you're always just saying what's real. And so, just you know, always be straight with everybody, with the good and the bad. And the other thing is it's not just the content of what you're saying, but it's how can we speak from the heart? How can we share the why of what we're doing? So one of the things that I do a lot of is when i'm when I'm talking to somebody on the team about something that we're doing, taking the time to say, "Hey, here's why we do that. This is why that's important. and And along with that, when, when things are good or things are less good also being very open about how we feel right and uh being a little bit vulnerable about that and just you know when when something's upsetting sharing hey that's upsetting or when something's good, it's like wow you have no idea how great that makes me feel based on on what you did in that situation and so and kind of the last thing is um we have a culture where there isn't a lot of hierarchy um where there's there's you know it's Basically, the the idea is to be humble, right? That we're, we all wake up, we're all human. We all kind of live our lives. Everybody's got something to contribute. And um, it's a very egalitarian perspective and valuing everybody, right? There's nothing, nobody's that smart.
0: Right. And, and, and that's, that's the way you get ahead too, right? I mean, all new ideas are, are good ideas. That's totally agree. Super. Yeah. Super important. Well, looking back as you were um, sort of sort of working as a home builder, you come into the whole home builder experience. Um, was there a point at which you thought, what was, was there any sort of one point where it was like, God, I love this business or like a turning point in your career where like, you know, I'm going to do this for like, I want to be here forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there really was. I mean, uh, when, you know, when I, If I look backwards, I became CEO of Stanley Martin uh, in 1998. And uh, on that day, becoming CEO was my 14th position at Stanley Martin. Um, My first position was as a uh, construction laborer when I was in high school for a couple of summers. And I I, had a summer job in an accounts payable job in an accounting department. And when I joined the company, I'd come from a transactions business and real estate sales. And I moved in as a land acquisition manager buying property, but I very quickly moved into other roles. So it was in sales, uh, on-site and model home. I was on construction, on-site building homes. But the place where it really changed for me was when I uh, joined our purchasing team. And the reason is, is that at that time in Stanley Martin's history, the purchasing roles were really kind of pass-through roles that it was where construction managers would come into an office job for say six to nine months and learn the office side, the procurement side of the business, and then move back. And so they would develop in their careers. And what happened was, it was um, the purchasing never became really sophisticated. So when I moved into it, I brought, well, I had been in sales, I had been in construction, but I also came out of business school. And so I brought um, a lot of computerization, um, analytics, um, moved us into unit costing in a way nobody had done before. It was kind of, and so I really had an impact. And by, you know, in a job where you're impacting so much about what's happening in the company, and then you, you get more responsibility because you're accomplishing more. And I just like, wow, I can really make a difference at this company. And so it was through those days in, in various purchasing roles in the early mid nineties.
0: You know what? That's so smart. You know, on that note, um, That would be, it's probably, I think, one of the funnest jobs in the company as well, because that's where everything comes together, right? I mean, you're going in, not only looking at the plans, there has to be some form of value engineering that's a part of that, but not only that, selecting every piece that goes into the home is such a huge part, right? So how do you guys actually today, and how did you do it then, select what to go into the home? Like, how does that work?
1: So it's it's not easy. It's particularly not easy during a COVID-driven supply chain crisis, right? Because um, we have ebbed and flowed around the concept of choice at Stanley Martin, and so there are times when more choice is is better, and there are times when less choice is better. And um, you know, we have a strategy that we call outstanding but limited choice, and the idea is that. Um, we need to be the experts to pick the best products to go into a home. And to, you know, nobody needs, you know, uh, when I teach this, I uh, talk about, well, with, with Amazon, you can buy a refrigerator, almost any refrigerator made anywhere in the world, you could buy and have it delivered to a house for installation. And that's unlimited choice. Or we could go to a choice model that's, you know, well, with Whirlpool or GE or someone, we, we can buy any one of 36 refrigerators. Or we can figure out, okay, what are the four best refrigerators at different price points and and features? We become the experts. We figure out how we're gonna be able to buy a thousand of each of those four so we can create more value. They're always in stock. We like it's it's just a a concept. We have to have the outstanding part to really be the experts on what consumers want and what's the best value for them for the things that they want, and limit it so that we can execute the business in a way that's cost effective and efficient and it all happens when it's supposed
0: to for sure. And I, I know you guys do um, a lot of customer research too. I know you've joined our consumer study too, just, you know, understanding what they want. And frankly, you know, it's, if it, there's a, a measure too, of really where they want to spend their dollars too, right? Where you kind of emphasize uh, and, and place those dollars is a big responsibility. So I could see, you know, that would be so fun to do. I would, yeah, no, I really love that part of the business I,
1: too. Historically, um, over my career, um, I think one of the safest jobs at Stanley Martin is market research, because yeah. we are we are constantly asking our market research team, which today is a team of four people. Um, you know, we we want to know the answers to the kinds of questions you're asking: to what consumers want, to what's happening in the land markets, what are our competitors doing, and so. Good markets, bad markets, whatever, there's this tremendous focus on market research at Stanley Martin.
0: There's, and frankly, I, I think there's so much money to be uh, sort of saved or I would say placed in the right categories by understanding that sp- specifically with your business background and some of that stuff. I mean, it amazes me sometimes when builders don't do that. It just, to me, that there's so much, uh, you know, it's, it's better for the consumer in the end and I think it's better for business too. <clears throat> sounds a little self-serving because I do so much of that, but (laughs) I I firmly and 100% believe in it because I, as a builder, saw it really work too. Tell me this. So what are the things that make you get up early to go into the office or stay late? What are those things that at the office every day that you love to do?
1: So, you know, what do I love about my job? You know, I was, I was at an event last night and somebody asked me, oh, Steve, are you still working? And I, it's an odd question that people ask me because we sold uh, most of the company uh, many years ago uh, to the Daiwa house group out of Japan. And people just assume I retired. I'm like, no, no, I, I love what I do. Right. right. More fun. It's more interesting. Um, and really every day, I candidly can't wait to get up and do this. If you ask me about hobbies, one of my huge hobbies is work. Um, I'm, No. I love me it. too. Um, and so, uh, you know spe- specific things that I do you know I actually love our our Wednesday land investment committees um, we mentioned the the meet and greets uh, that I, I do about every three weeks with our new team members uh, I love having my one-on-ones with the the team that I work directly with um, I love when I'm visiting neighborhoods and and really it's it's just a rush for me like every, it, I don't think there's anybody happier at work than I am that's that's pretty
0: cool that's the, you know what uh, that I can't, I feel sad for people that don't love their jobs. Right. Um, let me, we're going to do just a quick round of questions. Um, if you were to tell me sort of just a couple of responses to favorite sports today, what's your favorite sport?
1: Oh, uh, uh, that's super easy for me. Um, tennis, tennis, and tennis. Um, I'm a <laughs> nice. tennis addict, So I'll, I'll be on the court three to four times a week, uh, unless I can play more than that.
0: So you're and good so- at tennis. I'm guessing,
1: uh, there's always a better player. And,
0: uh, <laughs> That's and awesome.
1: So, and I'm That's lucky because awesome. my, my wife also shares that passion. We met, we had our first date on the tennis court and nice. got engaged on the tennis court. And so oh. we get to go on vacation, play tennis together you know, How sweet. things. It's, it's fun.
0: That's really, really cool. Um, so what about your favorite uh, place to vacation?
1: uh, it's typically warm. It's typically resorty. It's often in the Caribbean, uh, or in Florida, and it always has great tennis courts.
0: (laughs) Nice. Nice. What's your, I'd ask you your favorite pastime, but I think I know that for sure. What about, uh, what about your favorite thing to do other than tennis when you're home? You
1: know, um, I've got, I've got three kids, uh, and they've now aged up so that I'm an empty nester. My youngest, uh, Lindsay's just graduating college this spring, this may, nice. and so, um, you know, so now, you know, we're, we're travelers. We've, we've got this newer empty nester life, although the past couple of years, it was uh, COVID life. Um, and so, you know, I just actually came back from two trips. We love to kind of be on the road and, and visit places and, and, and see the world
0: oh beautiful yeah
1: i thought you were gonna ask about my crazy hitchhiking experiences or things like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you have a crazy hitchhiking experience (laughs) that's what i want to know
1: i I have hitchhiked all over the world my longest journey was over a thousand miles really yeah in uh up the coast of australia
0: uh wow
1: i I wanted to go diving so hitchhiked north and uh,
0: So, so what inspired you to go hitchhiking?
1: Um, My older brother, um, just uh, back in the day that when he didn't have gas money, that was how he got around. And so
0: that is hysterical. It was not
1: abnormal for me. Um,
0: (laughs) So you hitchhiked over a thousand miles in Australia?
1: Yeah. I hitchhiked across Japan as well.
0: Wow. So, yeah. any any crazy experiences there? Like, what was the craziest thing that happened to you on on both trips?
1: Well, the craziest hitchhiking experience I have is I got in a, a guy picked me up in a van, and <laughs> as we're driving, I noticed that on his knuckles was tattooed K I L L.
0: Oh, nice!
1: And so I'm like, he's like, "Where are you going?" I'm "Right here, right. <laughs> Just let me out of the corners. Perfect, thanks." <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. I don't think this will be a long drive.
1: That's right. uh,
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. uh,
1: No, you you meet great people like in Japan uh, back in the 80s. I mean, picking up an American on the side of the road is like a story you're going to tell a lot of your friends. It it was was a novelty.
0: Uh, Oh, my gosh. So what inspired you to go to Japan? And then how long were you there and how long did you hitchhike?
1: uh well i i just hitchhiked, uh from tokyo to kanazawa kind of across the alps and that oh, just uh, <laughs> well, it, it was just one night one overnight on the road and that um i was going to language school uh so i i enrolled in a school that was in rural japan and that was how i got there um nice. and so uh but uh yeah so anyway do it was, speak, was a long time ago
0: do you speak fluent japanese
1: no 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 no, no. i i spoke um broken conversational Japanese when I was in investment sales. And I Still started to pick it up again as a, um, uh, after I joined Daiwa House, started studying again. But in your 50s, it's just hard to do. Um, wow. It's a chore. But I, under, you know, you hear things, you understand things. I can I can make my way around Japan and order food and do what I need to do. But, um, but I don't speak Japanese anymore. I basically aged out of that.
0: <laughs> That's good. So you can pick up, when someone's speaking another language, if they're saying like, does this guy know what he's doing?
1: (laughs) We were in a Stanley Martin model home with the head of international who'd flown in the big guy to make the decision. And we're in the master bedroom looking out the back window. It was just him, the translator and me, everybody's another part of the house. And he turns to the translator and says, so where do people who live here work? And so I answered in English. Um, they mostly work in Northern Virginia. They don't go downtown. And then we both realized the translator didn't chime in.
0: Oh, uh, interesting. I, I,
1: I was just answering early.
0: Sure, um, yeah. sure. That's pretty but,
1: cool. But mostly I don't understand Japanese anymore. It, uh,
0: but it's, enough, it's, enough though, enough though, that it definitely plays to your favor. That's great.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um, so what fine. brought you to Australia? Um, uh, I had gotten a job offer in Tokyo um, uh, that I really wanted. And it was a startup company uh, to you know, invest all these assets in the US out of Japan. And uh, they said, it's going to take us like six to eight weeks to get our licensing and our office and get it all going. And they, uh, can you wait? I'm like, yeah, I can wait. And so I flew to New Zealand and I hitchhiked from the North to the South. Uh, and then I went to Australia, spent five weeks there and up through malaysia and thailand and then i called in and said we're ready
0: oh my gosh
1: so i went back here's the rest of the story i show up for work on monday i get my suit and suitcase and all that out of storage i show up for work on monday and i get fired why the founder of the company had died oh. and his kids decided they weren't going to continue it and the whole thing that was a startup was just shutting down oh uh. And so, just in that week between Bangkok and Tokyo, uh, the guy had passed away, and it was just, yeah, we're not going to start a new company, and uh, that I've been
0: hired. people working. don't you believe everything happens for a reason, though? I mean, look where you are today, and well, and not only that, though, but look at the experience you had.
1: Well, more importantly, so in that moment, I'm like, oh, I'm out of work right, what do I do, it's May 1988, and so I, um, I said, you know what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go home for the summer, I'm gonna regroup, I'm gonna come back in the fall and get a job here, and four days later, after I got home, I met Margie.
0: Oh, that's the best, that's the best story.
1: So that, so then, and then when we met and first started dating, she knew I was leaving, it was kind of just summer, yeah, this guy's not going to be here, and and then I decided to stay, and uh, we got married.
0: That is the best. See? Absolutely. Everything happens for a reason. reason. That is the greatest story. Well, tell me this. What is it that, um, tell me some of the secret ingredients, if you will, that makes up a Stanley Martin home? Like what are sort of, you know, in the developments and homes and some of the placemaking that you're doing, what are some of the key things uh, that make your developments different or uh, better uh, based on how you guys run the company?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, on the on the on the product side, on the home design side, um, as we talked about, we have a, a a pretty strong emphasis on market research. But we are um, we're kind of relentless at the details. Um, mm-hmm. That um, we have a, a design process uh, that that just um, you know it it values uh, people working to improve the outcome, and and we will spin that house around and just. Make it better, make it better, make it better through the design process, and um, and I think we we have we have a lot of uh, home designs that that the market finds favorable. But uh, one of the things that I think is um, special about a Stanley Martin neighborhood, you mentioned our development. So our company is um, has a very heavy land orientation, and we self develop the majority, not all, but the majority of our side of our neighborhoods, and so through that self development process, we have a lot of engineering project managers, and we have deep experience developing whether they're master plan communities or standalone subdivisions, That um, we just, um, we love our engineering professionals that we work with, but their role often is getting things to, to work, you know, streets, grades, and sewers, and, and safety features, and whatever it might be, but what Stanley Martin brings to it is our team it, uh, we recognize our job is to take whatever our engineering firm has done and apply a consumer marketing lens to it. And so we are um, changing uh, grades to get the house to site in the proper way and the proper driveway and get them to orient, right, and to do the entrances and the pocket parks. And so the, moving the tree, say lines, tree save lines. And so we'll, we we take an engineering plan that's fully approved and we go through and we're like, okay, now let's, even though a government and engineering firm have said this works, how do we now make it great from a livability for how people will will exist in that future neighborhood? And I think we do some great neighborhoods because of that approach.
0: You know what? um, I will say this. Every time I visit a Stanley Martin Home, there's just something a little bit Better about your designs, so you guys are doing, you know, something right. It just oh, the look you. and the feel, uh, inside and out. You guys do a really nice job. So, if you were buying a home today, um, what advice would you give to yourself?
1: Um, you know, when when people buy homes, it it's often a very emotional decision, and there's you know whether you're whether you're looking at a a used home or a new home let's hope people are looking at new homes that um you know to to think through the life experience and your own personal life choices and what's what's most important to you to to how that'll work because it's not the same for everybody and so um you know uh people entering a period of time when they're going to have uh Young children than children that will grow up in a house, and they're buying that house for that. They may not yet have the experience of what what will work best for children, but obviously it's it's about thinking forward to not just what do I need today, but what will I need over the time that I want to live here. And I think that that it, it, you know as people approach it, um, you know it's it's an emotional purchase, but I like to hope that that the thoughtfulness comes through to, to really buy the right house for a homeowner. You know, um, one of the things that I don't believe in is I don't, I, I don't believe in um, people making this choice about um, in the investment aspect of it, right? So, so a lot of people, historically, a home purchase has been a path towards savings and, and, and wealth accumulation. And that but to me, that's not the goal of a house. Uh, a side benefit is if you live in a house for a prolonged period of time, it typically rises in value and you've got a mortgage that's paying down, and, and you become wealthier by being a homeowner. But that's not why um, it's, it's not the driver. And I think that um, figuring out how to prioritize all the life experience choices that drive that purchase is so much more important than oh, this house will go up in value more than that house. Um,
0: That's such an interesting perspective, because that's really how the home should be designed too, right? You know, what are the life experiences that you want to enhance and make better? And how does that really happen through the design? That's a brilliant answer. Um, Thank you. (laughs) No, yeah, that's, it's so funny, because I often will hear the investment side of it. And so I'm going to take to some degree the other side to that, which is when when you're guiding someone to actually purchasing a home today, or the question I always get is, do I wait? Do I wait? You know, in two or three years when the market the downturn happens because it's going to happen at some point. Will it happen? What's the advantage to still buying in an up market or kind of where we're at today versus waiting the three years? And I have my own opinions on that, but I'm curious to hear your response on that because I get that question so often not just in the business but family and friends and things like that like that like should i buy now or or do i wait
1: you know i i have my own perspective on it which i'll share it doesn't make it the right perspective but my perspective is that it isn't a it isn't a decision that should be subject to market timing so so you know from in my own world investing in the stock market oh it's really high don't invest well oh next year it's still really high don't and and the ability to market time and investment like that is, is really hard. The experts can't do it. I don't expect myself to be able to. And so I think, I think a home is the same way. So if people are buying a home because they need something about that home, there's some reason they want to move, then you know it could be higher or lower or different in the future. And trying to time that means you're not getting what you want when you want it. You're waiting for some investment aspect to be more favorable. And I my own view is, is buy the house, create the living environment that you want to have without having the investment side drive the timing of that. That is because I just don't think market timing works most of the time.
0: On well, the the one thing that I will share too is the fluctuation of interest rates with market downturns and, and the impact of that. So find the monthly payment that, you know, is comfortable for you and the home that goes with that because your goal is to pay it off in 30 years, right? So why would you give somebody else rent for three years (laughs) when you could be really making that payment towards yourself and own that home three years earlier? So I, you know, I agree. It's, it's. Yeah.
1: If you're in an apartment and you want to buy a house and, oh, it's really high. I want to wait. I want to wait. I want to wait. Well, it's just a longer period of time. You're not in a house. Right. And there's a, there's a non-financial cost to that of, you know, once you're in, it's like, oh, I love living in my new home. Oh, totally. Well, let's, let's have that love for a longer period of time.
0: Well, and I think if you own a home, logically speaking, it's completely smart to buy at any time because you're cashing out your own equity, right? So if you sell at the high and buy at the high, you're winning either way, right? So to me, that makes total sense. Um, I don't know why anybody who owned a home would wait because at that, you know, obviously the home you're going to sell, you're going to make both sides, you're You're going to cash out there. Right. Well, tell me about this as we sort of wrap up, tell me who the top inspirational leaders are in your life and, uh, maybe share, uh, what about their leadership style that you really like?
1: Um, sure. Um, so, you know, I'll start with my father uh martin alloy the martin stanley martin um and so you know he led our company for 32 years and because i was his kid i got to observe that and um i got okay. to learn about witness the, the things that he did and 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 learn from the things that didn't go as well and, and as well as things that went great and so i got to observe all that firsthand which is i, th- I think actually really cool um, neat. and uh you know, because in our business, as you know, it's just so cyclical. There's some great boom times that are just so much fun, and then there's some downturns that are really hard. And uh, so I, I got to I got to see that and uh, and experience it both uh, as someone not working in the business and then somebody working in the business with them. Um, you know, another another place where I have a lot of mentors is an organization I love called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. It's a global educational organization for um, individuals become CEOs at a very young age. So you can kind of learn from other CEOs. Um, and so through that, I have met all kinds of great um, individuals from around the world and, and who run large businesses. And that uh, many of those have been very inspirational to me. Um, and but you know, I think about in our industry. Um, uh, there's there are people that I really respect and I, I I see them I hear them I I meet with them and 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 i uh, I I take away nuggets that um, I think have really helped me in my career. Um, I was in a sharing group with John Wheeland from Atlanta, who built this incredible uh, business, John Wheeland Homes and Neighborhoods, and and John was just so passionate about product and branding, and there you know there was a premium to having a John Wheeland home. And I just I learned a lot about how he approached that. Um, another one in the home building space uh, right now, uh, Cheryl Palmer at Taylor Morrison. I think that you know her approach to leadership and how she 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 builds and leads an organization and with a focus on people and culture. You know it resonates with what I'm trying to do. And so when I see her at uh, conferences or in, in various um, ways that we might interact, it just it's I, I like it. It's a reinforces uh, for me what we're trying to create here, because I think it's a very successful path of what she's created.
0: Oh, she's pretty great, but Bo- both great leaders, actually. Um, I actually see um, qualities on the John Whelan side in your homes. That's interesting to know that that was uh, a mentor for you. Um, yeah, John's, so, John's
1: a good friend. Yeah.
0: Yes, he. Yes, he. They definitely build beautiful homes. Tell me as you're, as we're sort of wrapping up top three qualities, if you were guiding your leaders or, or leaders out there, what do you think are the top three qualities to be not just a great leader, but an inspirational leader?
1: You know, um, I I touched on it a little bit before, but, um, Mm -hmm. the humility is, is really important. Um, you know, uh, being in the, the, um, the emotional leadership, the ability to connect with people and 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 uh, talk to people at a in a way and at a level where everyone feels valued, and um, it's not it's not a bunch of words, but it's it's something that um, uh, brings with it passion and 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 heart, um, and uh, and and really always, I mean, just the super important part of our culture is. We just have to be straight with everybody, right? So, so you know, tell people what we're trying to do, go out and do it. Tell them what we did, but never, never stray from from what what's what what the the right thing is and what's most important. And just just kind of stay to that true north and and make sure everybody knows what it is. And and people will nod their heads and say, let's do that.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Well, Steve, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your time and a little bit about your, your life and, and how you got to where you got to. Um, we really appreciate the time and uh, look forward to seeing what Stanley Martin's doing in the future. All
1: right. Well, thanks so much, Molly. Appreciate
0: thank, it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today with Steve. There are so many great takeaways from today's discussion. Uh, A lot of fun going through some of those questions. But I think my big takeaway is just a couple of them for you is I love number one, for sure, everything happens for a reason and you never know what's around the corner. Uh, The second one is explore every opportunity. It's likely going to make you smarter. So again, whether you're switching careers, whatever that is, you never know what you're going to love until you do it. And you may think you don't love something uh, until you really find out that you can make a difference. And it's really having that meaning behind your career that really makes the difference. So make sure you're making a difference, but also that your teams have that opportunity as well. Um, The next one is near and dear to my heart. Understand your customers. It can really make a difference, not only in your company, your product, your bottom line. And last but not least, people really matter. Every person in his company matters. He meets with every one of them day one know them, listen to them, encourage them uh, to make their own difference. So with that, thank you guys for joining us and we hope you'll join us the next time. Take care.